Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain, and I got feedback about needing to talk louder. So if this episode seems a little bit louder than usual, that's why. Thank you very much, because I would have never known if that person hadn't said anything. This podcast, I interview people who are living with or impacted by mental health and sexual health stigma. And the overall emphasis is to highlight the interconnectedness of those two things. I interview experts in the field of STD prevention, mental health, as well as people who have lived experiences with various mental health challenges and stigmatized conditions. Today, I'm with not susbuzz, not subsus, or subbus, like all of the things that I thought it said. I, I guess I don't know where I thought, uh, <laughs> I don't know what I thought your name was. We're with Sue's bus, right? Sue's Bob. Sue's Bob. Damn, see what I mean? I, I messed my damn self up. <laughs> oh, Sue's Bub, not any of the other things that I said. How you feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. I'm feeling really good. Thank you for having me. It's great to chat with you. Yeah. But yeah, Sue's Bub, Sue's Bub works, Sus Bub works, or Sue's is my name. That's good too. All right. What are your pronouns? Uh, she, her. All so, right. Yeah. So I came across you because someone on my H on my chest Instagram sent me, uh, I don't know if it was a TikTok or a reel. Everything's running together now between TikTok and reels and whatever Facebook calls it uh, of you like really just breaking down herpes stigma. Like that's what the video was and as i went to your page uh, i saw a few more of those occurrences of like you just taking what people are saying and like just i don't want to say flipping it but just shitting on what people are saying that's negative and uplifting what's being said positively is that kind of overall what you do on your instagram page and tiktok Because as you yourself 
go and have seen the first thing we think is we're like less than dirty, disgusting, whatever. Um, so shining with it is like already challenging so much of the stigma, I think. And then clapping back at haters and ignorant comments is something that I started to do more as I got more comfortable at the beginning, I would definitely say that the negative comments got to me a lot more and like got under my skin and I was pretty shocked by them, but it's been really cathartic to like flip it around and like shame the people who shame, so to speak, because you know, there's no reason to shame somebody over a herpes diagnosis. So yeah. You're 20 what? I'm 36. What? And on TikTok? What? <laughs> so here's my... I was thinking to myself, I was like, you got to be 20-something to be, like, as active as you are and on TikTok and just, like, so, like, the, the energy seems like you, like, one of these younger people in their 20s. So for you to be at 36 having this, like, I hope, I hope that I have this kind of passion and drive still. Uh, and when I get to that point, we ain't going to reveal how old I am. <laughs> but no. 30s are, still, 30s are still young and thriving. Even like as I talk to more and more people in their 40s, they're like 40s is where it's at. So it just gets better. Yeah. I like your approach of shaming the shamers because the closest comparison that I have is like when I was in middle school, elementary school more middle school than anything i think that's where we began to see gay people lesbians um and thinking back now i know that there was someone i don't know if i want to say that they were trans i didn't have language at the time but they would dress like how we would see women or the girls dress at school and i remember at that age of like the disrespect, the bullying that was occurring and the shaming that was occurring for people's preferences for the boys liking boys or any girls liking girls and for boys dressing like girls and girls dressing like boys to be at this point now uh, having double, triple, oh damn, damn near tripled that age. I see now um, with upcoming generations that that's not cool. At my age, um, the time frame that I was in middle school, there wasn't any allyship or open support like there is now. And it's like anyone who would be willing to come out and blast anybody for their sexual preference or for how they choose to express their gender identity. These are now the people who are being shamed. And I'm seeing that to be uh, I don't want to call it an effective approach, but it's definitely more there's more of a positive influence than shaming people for being who they are and invalidating their identities in that shaming so what i'm hearing from you shaming the shamer is like you're showing them hey this is what you look like this is who you are and what's your response from them as you go through the process of taking their comments and spitting it back at them or are you even hearing from these people at all yeah, so it's funny you say that because, you know, just everything you were describing reminds me of, I don't, it's kind of an old movie at this point, I guess, it's from several years ago, but like, I don't know if you've ever seen 21 Jump Street, I think it was 21 Jump Street, and then like, they had a sequel, and in the sequel, they go back, it's with Channing Tatum, right, Channing Tatum, and yeah, okay, it's the right movie, so they go back in the sequel to go undercover at a high school again, like the scene opens to that and they're like, the, 
all the same stuff they thought was cool back then, which was to be like a dick, to be a, a jerk, like a jock, like push people around. And the moment they started doing that, these like high school kids around them were like, you're a loser. Like, you're the kind of person we make fun of now because it's not cool to like shame people and be a bully anymore. So it just makes me think of that because um, obviously like, you know, it's just an extension of bullying essentially. And there's different responses that people advise about how to deal with bullying and how to deal with bullies. And that changes so much based on like our context and what the situation is and, you know, what the medium is and what age we're at. But at this point on TikTok, like, it's really just a flood of trolls. And, you know, unfortunately, you know, I don't want to, like, it's hard to stay away from, from generalizing sometimes. But, like, there is a lot of misogynistic comments directed at me from, like, straight cis males um, who I think are just, like, targeting a woman who's really confident and open about her status. And they just see oh, she, she had sex, she obviously slept around, that's how she got it, like, whatever, that, that's kind of their train of thought, um, among other things, like, she's gross and dirty. Meanwhile, a lot of these people who say these kinds of things are probably the kinds of people who, like, have never gotten tested or never get tested. They probably don't even know or understand what herpes is or how it works. They probably get cold sores and don't think it's herpes. Like, there's, you know, they kind of fit into a mold a lot of the time. But it's when I make my responses, it's definitely like a really fine balance. Like, there's some comments that are just outright really mean and vile and like deserve to be shamed. There's some where people aren't intending to be that rude, they're just like ignorant on the topic. Um, and, like, generally, I just try to have fun with it. I'll either have, like, a really silly mocking kind of response or just, like, do something completely unrelated, like, like say things in a silly voice or something. And, like, no matter what I do, they, they either try to, like, I've seen a few things. Like, they either try to reel it back and, and apologize and then, like, slide it to my DMs. Like, I've had that happen. <laughs> and be like, hey, like... I, did, I was just kidding around. I was just trying to rile you up. And it's like, I would never give you the time of day after that, even if you were like, quote unquote, joking. Um, so that's funny and really revealing. And then another response is just like, you know, they're staunchly continuing to try to defend themselves. And like, they'll still argue in the comment thread of the response video and try to like fight for their lives. Um, and then sometimes they'll report my video and it'll, you know, whatever like sometimes it'll get taken down if I've been a little bit harsh um but that's more rare and sometimes they'll delete their comment and just like buckle out of shame which is perfect you know they'll private their account I've had one one person delete their account entirely and he was like really problematic so that I saw as kind of a victory um you know so there's been there's been quite a few responses out there and can't really predict how they'll respond but they're putting it out there in a public forum you know which is what they say to me they're like well you're putting this information out there you should expect this kind of treatment but they're bold enough to publish these extremely rude comments like they they have
have to expect that they're going to suffer some consequences if it's not getting flagged than maybe getting dragged by somebody like me or anybody else in the space. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm hearing is like the equivalent of playing on a playground where boy pushes girl on the ground because he likes her and then like wants to kiss later <laughs> is what the sliding in your DMs kind of sounds like. For sure. I think there's definitely an element of, you know, some of these men like desiring what they see and then being, I don't know, angry about like a lack of access or something or about what they don't have in their lives or feeling rejected. And so like they just want to like shame and bring a woman down to project that anger and frustration onto her. I mean, I've seen them do it on TikTok to women who are just out there relaying any kind of message, whether they're fully clothed or like showing skin or, you know, talking about how they have kids or don't want to have kids. Like regardless, there's always like a drove of these, this cultural group that'll come and drag them for just like for existing you know so I I think there is just this unfortunately underlying thread or unfortunate underlying thread of misogyny that is like not addressed by a lot of people um you know and that may say well you're crying misogyny and like that's not a thing so there's it can be frustrating because the thing that I've had to accept as well is that with a lot of these um trolls and haters because that's essentially what they are they're trolling they're trolls they're just you know miserable people trying to make you miserable because they're angry that you're like shining a light plot um, twist all they're doing is giving you content <laughs> yeah exactly yeah i'm kind of like keep commenting and keep liking my videos because you're just driving more traffic to the people that need to see it um but yeah they're just they're just angry and they're spewing their hatred and you know yeah so the thing I realize is that you'll never you'll rarely convince a person who is committed to being judgmental and hateful like you'll rarely get to a point where they'll be like okay you're right I see it now like I'm an asshole I apologize like that never happens that's yeah, I so, got I got that once. I got it once, and they like publicly did it. I was like, "Yo, that's a win." It was this lady who makes uh, holiday cards, and she wrote something about when life gives you lemons, be happy it wasn't herpes. And I was like, "Hey, so uh, this this isn't cool because dot dot dot." And invited her into a conversation, and she was receptive to it. We talked on the phone. Uh, she made a donation to something positive for positive people. She took the post down. She said that she took the post down and why she took the post down. So that to me was like the most, that was unique. I didn't know what to do with myself because I'm used to just getting blocked. <laughs> I post something to something messed up. I'll share it to my story and then I'm blocked. Like I don't even get to have a conversation with a lot of the people that are posting the uh, stigmatizing stuff or shaming people who have STIs. And I, I don't even like attack these people. I go in with like niceness and I'm like, Hey, I, I, I see that you might've thought this was funny and clearly your audience does too. You're an entertainer. Uh, 
I talk to people who want to kill themselves because of jokes like this. So can we have a conversation? And then like, that's it. <laughs> yeah. No. And that's like, I really respect that because, you know, especially when someone's just like putting stuff out there on their own accord and making a joke about herpes or like disparaging herpes in some way. I feel like that is usually coming from like ignorance and a lack of education. Like they don't really know enough about it. And as we know, it is this like butt of the joke all the time. And it's, it's really frustrating. I mean, it's across media, like across movies and TV shows. And, you know, I hear from people as I'm sure you have that, like, in their own friend groups and families, like people make jokes and then they're sitting silently kind of like suffering with that. And something that I've said is like, when you get to a point, if you get to a point, cause nobody has to where you're like open and public about your status, like where you're not afraid to just say it to people like, like owning a car, like you're just like, yeah, I have herpes, like whatever. Um, if somebody in your vicinity makes a herpes joke, like, why not make them look dumb, you know? And and you don't have to be rude about it. But even if, like, I totally think coming at it from a compassionate peace and love place is great, too. If you can just be like, hey, you know what? That joke's not funny. Like, herpes is, like, an affliction that a lot of people, you know, affects a lot of people in terms of their mental health. Like you said, some people end their lives over it tragically or just refrain from dating. Um and it affects their social lives in, in a great number of ways and making a joke about it is not cool or like you could very well have it and not know most of us have it so like why are you joking about it what is so gross to you about herpes like there's different things we can say to someone that's making a dig about it in front of us um you know and different ways to tackle it i've tried like the peace and love method with trolls too but with trolls it doesn't work like <laughs> they're a whole other breed on on social media but on tiktok specifically um so i i feel like some of them have to be bots as well because some of the comments i'm just like how is there so many ignorant people like this like there's just as many bots selling cures as there have to be like making digs at herpes <laughs> yeah i have a question for you so before herpes what was the clap back what was the thing that you were uh defending like what were you advocating for and speaking out against prior to speaking about herpes yeah so prior prior to herpes i really just like you know i i write like a lot of my instagram is is like a lot of my writing is on instagram i write for for fun and self-expression and to connect with people. And I'm writing a book in the background as well, like about my experience over the last couple of years and the herpes work is definitely going to come into that. But before my diagnosis, like a lot of the stuff I wrote and talked about was just like personal reflections about, you know, choosing your own path, like not caring what other people around you think, which all of it interestingly really fed into like the herpes, acceptance journey right um because I was already working on like challenging you know other people's judgments like with the sensuality stuff it's all about um 
you know, again, like uncovering that self-worth and self-appreciation and self-adoration that we're kind of told not to do. Like it's like selfish to, or selfish or vain to admire yourself and compliment yourself and express yourself in a, in a confident way. Um, and sensuality like awakens this kind of like passionate energy that isn't necessarily sexual. It's just like a very present expressive way of being where you're adorning and appreciating yourself and like putting that out to the world. So when I was getting into that journey and like taking a lot of, you know, explorative, creative, like photos and videos of myself and like putting stuff out there to music and my writing, I was already making some people uncomfortable and some people in my life even who just felt like things were kind of getting a little scandalous or getting a little risque or just like I was too, you know, like making some people uncomfortable, too confident. And I was always extremely insecure. So it was like a full 180 from how I used to be. Um, So I was kind of just defending the right to exist and celebrate yourself and counter to how we're told to just constantly disparage ourselves and put ourselves down. It's like, no, like, work on what you need to to shine bright because that's going to inspire other people to do the same um and the more love you can cultivate for yourself the more love you can cultivate for the people around you so like I said it was neat to have it all kind of feed into the herpes journey because it's all very similar stuff around a herpes diagnosis now beautiful I love that transition because I often say in podcast episodes, if it wasn't herpes, it would be something else. And in your case, it was something else. And then it translated into what herpes brought up for you. So it was just like amplifying what was already there. You already had self-love. You already had self-expression. You already had this willingness to speak up for like the confidence of women and just like being who you are. And when herpes came into the picture, it wasn't like that took anything from you. It didn't beat anything down. What I'm hearing is that it just gave you another direction to tap into that uh, like vulnerability, that compatibility with a bunch of different people. So you didn't change. You transitioned what was already there to be communicable to a different community of people. Exactly. And like one of the major things that we lose touch with, with acquiring something like herpes is our sensuality and our sexuality and our confidence. Like there's so many people who suffer under the stigma, like I said, in really tragic ways, like you experience and help people through like wanting to end their lives, but removing themselves completely from any kind of romantic life, like giving into this idea that they're never going to find anybody to make them happy or they're, whether they're looking for love or casual dating, whatever it is they're looking for, they're like, I can't have it now because I have herpes, right? So there's the romantic component of no one's going to love me. And then there's even the sexual casual component of no one's going to sleep with me. No one's going to, you know, explore my sexuality with me anymore. Like I'm on my own now. I'm excluded from society, right? Like that's what we go through or what so many people go through. So like connecting back with and cultivating that sensuality is like a antidote to that, like 
to that connection that's been severed, you know, the last thing you're thinking about when you've just been diagnosed with herpes is, is how to feel sexy again. Um, society tells you that you can't feel sexy with it, you know, but it literally doesn't change anything. Like nobody is going to pass you up who really cares about you or really wants you or desires you because you have something like herpes, especially if they have some education around it or are willing and open to be educated. You know, we know from statistics and everything that most of us already have herpes anyway. It's really just a matter of like who shows symptoms and who goes and gets diagnosed, but we don't connect it to cold sores and oral herpes, which the majority of the global population has. So we're already dating and sleeping with people who have it. We just don't know. Um, the difference is the knowledge of someone having it. So it doesn't stop anybody from getting that love and getting that sexual connection if that's what they want. It's really the stigma holding them back. And yeah, the sensuality, it's, it's just so helpful because you have to, like in my opinion, like you have to really find your self-worth and confidence again if that's what's been hit by a herpes diagnosis before you go out and start connecting with other people um because you want to come at it from a place of i love myself i'm good with myself i'm good with my diagnosis obviously it's a bit of a roller coaster there's tougher times like it's not always easy even if you've had it for years you can dip down and feel weighed down by the stigma again or especially if you've like been in a relationship and you find yourself single single again you might be facing it all over again but for the most part it's really gratifying and rewarding to do the self-work and connect with your sensuality again and then go out and take that to the to the dating world and go after whatever the hell you want yeah i'm curious to know as a confident woman as someone who is putting themselves out to the world in the way that you are uh your responses from men appears to be like they come at you and like test you and see if you are really this confident person and then when you are that's when they slide in your dms right so i'm curious to know what does dating and sex or relationships look like for you as someone who is in this high caliber of confidence because I know that a lot of women can't imagine in their range of perspective being the chooser being the person who is uh, living in the reality that they set for themselves of being confident uh, especially after a herpes diagnosis when your self-worth can begin to just completely collapse and you have no idea of what that is so for you how does dating look now compared to before you began this journey of having the confidence that you do yeah so i mean it's funny because you would think that like being herpes positive would lower your standards and i think that's a thing that a lot of people get into trouble with it's like they'll lower their standards to whoever's going to accept me with this, you know, whoever it's going to feel easy with. But my standards are higher because, you know, now I know that I want someone who's got some education and awareness about herpes or sexual health in general. 
like if I come in, come into contact with somebody who I have to explain to them what herpes even is, or like, you know, there's deeper things that I didn't know either. And maybe like none of us knew either, like how it's like not included in regular panels. And like, there's more subtle things that are totally fair to ask about, but someone who has just like no idea about STDs, STIs, sexual health, doesn't get tested. I don't really want to deal with somebody like that, you know? And before I certainly used to worry about that and have those conversations, like those sexual health conversations and like, you know, do you get tested? When did you get tested? But now it's more about like a general awareness that someone needs to have about this stuff and like a sense of sex positivity, right? It's just like a value now that I look for in, in anyone that I'm connecting with casually or romantically. Um, and yeah, in terms of the confidence, I mean, it's, of course I have my moments. And like I said, I used to be really insecure and, you know, I was married for like 10 years before, um, before I got herpes like so I was like out of the dating world I was like good I was settled and everything was just like you know I wasn't worrying about any of that stuff I hadn't even been on apps yet like that was like a whole new world to me so um I was very just reliant on a partner providing like that kind of emotional mental stability and security so after my divorce it took a lot for me to learn how to like rely on myself, regulate myself. Like I deal with anxiety. I'm an anxious person. So it's very easy to attach to a partner to just like regulate your anxiety for you. So it was a really empowering experience to just like go through being, being on my own and realizing that I can find that safety and security within myself. So that I'm not as like concerned about finding a partner to provide it with me. And again, I'm not even talking material security just like emotional mental um so that built a lot of confidence and just getting to a place where you're you want someone to like match your energy and complement it rather than provide something that you desperately need so before feeling confident it was more about like I really want someone to make me feel good or make me feel validated or make me feel beautiful or make me feel loved Whereas the difference now is like, I already feel those things and now I have room to spare or like energy to give to another person and it can be an equal exchange. Um, and anything that they give me is just a bonus on top of what I know about myself already. So that's like the huge shift of going from like a lack of confidence to feeling more confident and you know, I acquired herpes from a partner after my marriage that I was exclusive with and committed to who cheated on me and was lying and, you know, mistreating me the entire time. So, and I say, I suspect I got it from them because we know it can like lay dormant for a long time. I just didn't think it was, you know, as possible that it had been dormant for like 15 years, but who knows? it's very likely I got it from this person based on their actions and treatment and like what I found out after. But that was a huge blow to my confidence and worth as well. Being cheated on is like a huge blow. Um, 
you know, and it takes a lot to really pick yourself up from something like that again. So that's why I say, like, whether you acquired herpes from somebody's, you know, like, gross actions or from no, like, having no idea how you got it, regardless, it's still, like, important to give yourself the time and space to heal, build up that confidence, build up that self-worth, because then it's a totally different ball game in your dating world. And, you know, we should still have the same standards we had before, you know, our herpes diagnosis, because it's no reason to allow someone who's going to mistreat you, like abuse you, cheat on you, what have you, just because you now think you're less desirable. Like, I think that's, it's just something I really want to like drive home to people is like, don't settle for somebody you don't deserve just because you have herpes and think that your options are limited because that is going to get you in some really toxic and harmful situations. And I think we really look for validation when we get a herpes diagnosis. Um, but if you validate yourself first, it makes it a lot easier. So. Yeah. And if it's tough for you to validate yourself, which it often is given how interconnected our identities and self-worth are with our sexuality sometimes, where an STI diagnosis just comes in and demolishes that identity for you to have to put back together. If you struggle with putting that back together, it's okay to look out for support. It's okay to reach out to people in communities who are going through similar things. Like That's what they're there for. Uh, Suze, did you have any sort of support along the way? Did you do this on your own or what, what got you, uh, started? Yeah. I mean, I had a therapist who I credit with a lot of my growth and journey for sure, because I started going to my therapist like years and years ago. I, in my years and years ago, but in my early (laughs) twenties, I started going to my therapist to address like really, you know, deep insecurity issues I had. Um, and it, it didn't even have to do much with external appearances. It had to do with like a, a terrifying fear of being judged all the time. And, you know, I was like way beyond like, you know, we know that there's this like struggle we can all relate to of like getting ready for an outing or an event and having trouble figuring out what to wear. For me, it was like, it would be like a couple hour um, meltdown before any like event or commitment because I was just like so hard on myself and so terrified of the world that anything I stepped out in wasn't good enough to me. So that has been going on for years, like unaddressed probably since my high school days. And when I finally sought therapy to address it, I learned that a lot of that had come from like different sources throughout childhood that just made me feel like what external sources and people said about you had more importance than what you had to say about yourself. So there was a lot of tools I picked up from that and revelations and like one cool thing was, you know, I just like completely over like rehauled my entire wardrobe and it wasn't about like the clothes and what they looked like. It was just like, get rid of it all and start over and only acquire the clothes that like you feel amazing in regardless of style, regardless of anything, they make you feel good. And that's like a part of like the whole sensuality practice too, is like, 
I mentioned like adorning yourself. It's like literally dressing yourself in a way that brings you like, like makes you come alive and makes you feel good and confident. So, you know, therapy really helped me to find that confidence before I started getting into the deeper stuff. And, you know, I'm lucky enough that I had close friends to really support me through the herpes diagnosis on top of my therapist and make me feel really loved and, um, and seen because I know that not everybody has that around them or has anybody around them that they feel they can trust and like confide in. But some of your friends will surprise you. You know, I say it's a filter for dating because it'll weed out like ignorant people that you don't want to date, but it'll also expose anyone in your life who's ignorant and judgmental also. And on the flip side, the people in your life who are really going to support you through thick and thin. So I had certain friends that I was really nervous to confide in. And when I did, I was pleasantly surprised to see how incredibly supportive and loving they were. Like, I remember one friend was like, that's what it is. Like, that's it. You have herpes. Like, that's cool. You know? And I had been like stressing for weeks about telling her. So yeah. Outside of, um, them being a little bit knowledgeable about herpes, what are some other green flags that you look for as a high value woman when dating um, with these high standards that you now have for yourself? I mean, really like respect, right? Like respect is a big one. Um, You can just kind of tell the way like somebody talks to you and addresses you. That's why, like I said, even if, somebody tried to make a herpes joke and come back from it they already showed me that they don't respect another person for having been willing to put them through making a disparaging joke like that even if they meant it with like they don't know me I don't know them I'm not looking at their comment thinking oh they're just joking and having fun you know it's like no what they said was really rude and they're just trying to spin it yeah, to be, to be like, oh, like, you know, I'm just kidding around and, like, I'm a nice guy. No, you're not. So there's that respect element that's really big. Um, you know, the way that, like I said, their awareness of sexual health, but also the way they respond to your disclosure says a lot. Like, if somebody's like, you know, thank you, I really appreciate your honesty, um, I'm sorry you dealt with that. Like, can I ask you some questions about it? That feels altogether different than if someone was like, whoa, herpes, like, can you still do this or do that? Like, you can still go down on me, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, So you can kind of like tell from the conversation, like what level of respect there is for women in general or for you, Um, you know, in, in my situation for women in general and I would say other green flags are just like being communicative about what they're looking for and what they really want because you know people will skirt around that or manipulate that or like say say what they think you want but it's like just communicate what you're looking for because it's okay if you're just looking for a casual thing or a hookup or if you are looking for a serious relationship, or if you're willing to see where it goes, just be honest, because if you're, like, if what the two people aren't, are looking for aren't matching up, like, 
let's not waste each other's time, you know? So someone who's out the gate letting me know what they're looking for, that's a green flag for me too. That, that makes me think about that video you and I were uh, chatting about earlier today where the guy was like, fellas, you don't want to be a nice guy. Let me show you how to not be a nice guy. And he literally said, this is what I want. And she said, this is what I want. And I don't want to waste anyone's time. And then he goes, all right, thanks. And leaves her alone. But makes this whole fucking video talking about how... Uh, I, I don't even remember what he was talking about because I thought it was going one way. I thought there was going to be more to it where she was like getting an attitude or something about him just not trying or not caring. And then it took a whole turn and then it took a whole nother turn. And it ended up actually being about this guy creating uh, bitter, resentful, angry men as a result of this interaction that went exactly as an interaction should go. Hey, I want this. Oh, what do you want? And then the other person being like, well, I want this and it's different than what you want. So let's just not waste one another's time. And then you move on. Like that should have been the end of the video. He didn't have to say anything else. Exactly. He made it about like it being some kind of attack on him when his MO in the first place was to lie to her about what he wanted so he could get in her, in her like um, rotation and then was mad that what he lied and said he wanted didn't match up with her. That shit was a mind fuck. I'm not going to lie to you. Because I was like, huh? What? And yeah. then the other guy started explaining. I was like, why is he talking about this? I didn't even notice that was a thing. And then it became a thing as I was watching and listening. But uh, yeah, the, the communication piece is so important. Not just communicating our herpes status. Also communicating compatibilities, incompatibilities, what it is that we want. Even if you don't know what you want, being able to communicate, I don't know what I want, is like that's more useful than just making something up or telling the other person what they want to hear so that you get what you want. Which even on the base level, if it's attention, if it's uh, some sense of connection, if it's sex, if it's to be taken out on dinner, if it's to use resources from someone, whatever it is, you can be clear about that and people will surprise you. People might want the same thing or want to give you what it is that you want. So there's no need to hide behind the shift of um, this like shifting of needs, wants, desires. We can be brave. We can put ourselves out there and ask for what it is that we need and we just might get it or we might not and if we don't that's setting us up for being in a much better position to be able to get it elsewhere exactly we're saving ourselves and the other person a lot of like turmoil down the road by just being open about it up front and i much more i have much more respect for someone who would say that they don't know what they want and I've said that before versus someone who is more readily going to lie about what they want out of curiosity in your experience what does I don't know what I want mean I think to me that just means that someone is still navigating or open to what might come like I know that when I've been in that situation before it's because I've been recently burned in a relationship or had come out of a relationship and there's one part of me that might crave the affection and attention of from another person and another part of me that still wants to be alone you know so there might be like 
some confusion or conflicting ideas that to me then translated to, I actually don't know what I want, you know, or I think in some situations people aren't clear if like they want a long-term partner or if they just want like a casual partner for the short term. And, you know, maybe it is better to reflect on that and decide before dating and not figure it out through dating. <laughs> like that's kind of what I had come to for myself. Like if I don't know what I want, why don't I take a step back and sort of clarify for myself, like, you know, whether you need to journal it out or talk it through with a therapist or some friends or meditate on it, you know, um, think about the different scenarios and what it is that you actually desire right now and where it's coming from. Because if you're in a situation where you've been burned in a recent relationship or had just come out of a breakup, maybe you're desiring affection. So it's kind of drawing you to date, but you're not ready yet. And it would actually be better for you to stick to yourself and do more healing and take more time to yourself so that when you actually come back out and date again, you're ready to lend your energy and, you know, not hurt anybody in the process of, of figuring out, figuring out what you want. Yeah. Uh, I love how well you articulate everything that I'm speaking to in regards to dating. Uh, one thing that I wanted to touch on because of the timing of this is, uh, the usefulness of therapy. I'm someone who is open about my herpes status. I'm also in therapy and I'm seeing how, regardless of how well put together it may seem that I am because I'm open about my status or how confident I may seem because, uh, I date and I disclose and I have these resources and I talk to so many people, uh, I find that there are still things that come up in relation to my herpes status in therapy that actually have nothing to do with herpes. So like how you said uh, a, a while ago in the podcast when you mentioned um, having had things come up from childhood, I'm recognizing like when things come up that trigger me personally, I try to take it back to the first time that I can remember feeling that way or the most recent time I can remember feeling that way and then I just go back, go back, go back and look at the core of it. Okay, what was it the thing that I needed and what was it that I got that wasn't what I needed and how does that apply now when I'm 33 years old rather than three years old or however I would have been when it happened and that triggering event re-triggers those emotions. So, uh, the the simple question first is does your therapist know you have herpes yeah absolutely and yeah. when you confided in your therapist what did you expect from them after telling them that you have herpes so i was definitely nervous to tell my therapist because like if that was really she you know my therapist was one of the first people i told and even though it's my therapist's position to listen without judgment and like provide compassion and support and understanding and insight. I still saw them as a human who might judge me, right? So I was pretty afraid to tell my therapist and I thought they would like kind of scold me <laughs> for, you know, doing something wrong to end up that way. And like they had seen me through my whole journey with my divorce and then this new partner and everything I navigated with this partner. Um, 
hit of like a massive red flag about this partner, but I continued to date them. I didn't find out about their, their actions until much later, but, um, you know, I was worried about some judgment, but of course it was nothing like that. My therapist was extremely understanding. Um, they, my therapist, and I'm sure everyone else's therapist has many other clients who have herpes too. So they actually, you know, my therapist revealed to me later on that they deal with, um, with this quite often. So they, they have experience with talking to people who have herpes. Um, and that just goes to show you how common it is. But I mean, of course, it's great people with herpes seeking out therapy, but just that it's common enough that they have a lot of clients with it. Um, and yeah, my, my therapist was extremely helpful in just making me feel like nothing was wrong with me. I was going to be fine. Um, reiterated some facts and statistics to me, which surprised me to just like, be like, you know, it's okay. Like this many people have it. It's like super common, et cetera, et cetera. So it really, really helped. And I, you know, like many others, like my first couple weeks after my diagnosis were pretty dark. Like I went through some dark moments myself. Um, it took a while for me to get to that place where I was ready to accept it. And then later on ready to be public about it. And then, you know, my therapist has also helped me quite a bit with navigating some of the negativity that has come from being public about it. But luckily there's just as much if not more positivity um from being public about it so good uh i feel like my experience uh is eh, it's not really similar because that was the first thing i told my therapist and when the time was right my therapist had self-disclosed to me that he too has herpes and has hiv and so we were able to really speak to a lot more of our experiences in a different way uh, because he sees through the shit because he has herpes, right? And I'm like, oh, I dealt with it because I'm open about my status. No, <laughs> the the undercurrent of emotion of events that seemed significantly unrelated to herpes sometimes were related. And what I thought was about the herpes has absolutely not been related. So uh, I want to challenge anyone who's listening right now who has not told their therapist, because believe it or not, this is a common thing where people don't want to tell their therapist for the same reason that you just shared, right? Uh, but you might be surprised. Again, the disclosures that we... Uh, offer to people, their responses may surprise us. So let's give people a chance to do so. Let's give people a chance to uh, hear our experience and be there and support us. Like we're worthy of that. We're at minimum worthy of receiving loving kindness and compassion from the people that are around us. My next question for you is the statement, sexual health is mental health. What does that mean to you? to me is like they're so intricately connected um you know your sexual health your your perspective on your sexual health is very connected to your mental health I mean if you're in a place where it's like the two affect one another if my sexual health 
is like, you know, I have acquired an STD that can affect my mental health in the sense that can cause anxiety, depression, sense of low self-worth, etc. Um, and it can have the opposite, the effect the other way around too. So it's like, it's really important to, you know, not only tend to our sexual health and make sure that we are getting tested, we are educating ourselves, we are unlearning our stigma, but to also mind our mental health in the way that that sexual health affects it and to seek therapy, like we're saying, to read and listen to people in the space who've overcome these things, who we can relate to, who we see ourselves in, um, who can, you know, make us feel like ourselves again and more. And, you know, the stigma around STDs and STIs is more of why people with these afflictions suffer than anything physical. Um, you know, to suffer from an STI or STD is to suffer, like, with our mental health. Um, even the CDC, I think, or the WHO, like, if you read about why they don't include herpes screening in routine testing, they literally state that they recognize that for asymptomatic individuals, a diagnosis causes more anxiety than it's worth. So they would rather you not know, at least this is what it sounds like to me, but it's almost like it's better for you to not know you have herpes if you're asymptomatic than to know because it causes that much anxiety and suffering or impact on your mental health. So like, it's a mental health issue, sexual health. They're so intertwined and, you know, we really need to support it from both angles and it's important. People should, it breaks my heart that there's people who, you know, have and may consider ending their lives over a diagnosis like this that absolutely does not have to interfere with your life in any way, shape or form. But because the stigma is so strong and precedes us, it weighs on us so heavily and we feel like we can't challenge it because it's like everywhere we look, it's among our friends or family on the internet in movies and television. And if you unpack the stigma around STDs and STIs, so much of it just came from like very conservative old ways of thinking, you know, more like orthodox, religious-minded abstinence education, um, cracking down on the sexual revolution in the in the 70s. Like, it's all this stuff that precedes the, the time that a lot of us were born. So it feels really like, how are we supposed to challenge this? You know, we didn't create this, but there were cultural forces at play that caused this. And um, I just wish there would be like a global PSA by the, by the CDC or someone to be like, STDs and STIs are extremely common. Stop shaming people for it. All of you have herpes, just relax. <laughs> and, and go to therapy. <laughs> and go to therapy, right. Uh, Suze, is there anything that you would like to leave us with before I let you go? How can people get in touch with you? Are there any questions that you wanted to answer or speak to that I haven't given you an opportunity to do? Um, I would just say that, you know, if, if anybody wants to like 
learn a bit more about what I do, um, my website is suzbub.com and it has like, you know, a lot of my offerings around sensuality and also, um, herpes. Like I have kind of like a series where, you know, we use sensual practices to work on accepting your herpes diagnosis. So you can dive a bit deeper into all that stuff on my website because sensuality is kind of like a vague ambiguous topic for a lot of people I think and I'm still figuring out how to like clearly relay and talk about exactly what it is um but yeah they can find me on TikTok at suzbub on Instagram at suzbub it just has an s at the end because I couldn't get the name it's so suzbubs um I also have a YouTube channel. I have like a full video on my YouTube channel of my story, a lot of herpes facts. Um, I'm going to be uploading more to there soon so they can get some like longer, deeper content from me there. <laughs> longer and, and deeper. Sorry? <laughs> longer, deeper. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, I'm 12. Yeah. <laughs> and um, yeah, like I think my takeaway or last thing to say is just that, you know, herpes is extremely common. It's not a big deal for the majority of people who have it for most of us. Um, oh, did you say cut off? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, and I'm just admiring how you didn't miss a beat. <laughs> oh, with what? Did I miss something? No, no. And I was like, yeah, longer, deeper. And then you just like didn't miss a beat. You kept it going. Like you just kept talking. I was impressed. So I was just sitting over here like laughing, trying to keep my face away from the mic while you kept talking. Oh, I didn't catch that. Oh my God. Amazing. Uh, I like rolled on through it. <laughs> well, yeah, you did great. You did great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, yeah, sorry. The la- I, I mean, I don't know if I have to end on you're good. I guess you have we, to add it now. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to leave this in here because it's real. Um, but we do only have like a minute and 42 seconds left before this just cuts off. So uh, okay. how do you spell Suzbub? S-U-Z. S-U-Z-B-U-B. Perfect. Be like Bob. All right. Yeah. All right. That concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People. Please like, rate, review, subscribe to, and share this podcast. You can also still donate to Something Positive for Positive People on Venmo or Cash App at Courtney Brame. Yes, it's just my name. If it's a donation, please put SPFPP or donation on there. Not that a lot of people owe me money, but I want to be able to differentiate the two for tax purposes. And so I don't pay my rent with, well, wait a minute, I'm traveling now and conducting interviews. Ooh, I might be able to write my rent off. Uh, But yeah, that was completely beside the point. I don't even know how I got there, but uh, yeah. Um, Damn. I thought I had a way of ending this podcast episode and I just blanked out thinking about the idea of being able to write off my rent because I work remote. I don't know. I'm going to have to talk to my accountant about this. That's an exciting revelation. Yeah. Holy shit. Thank you. Thank you for this. And thank you for like helping me come to this realization. Uh, I can be found on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, Reddit at H on my chest, but I'm most active on Instagram. I've made two TikTok videos I forgot what my name is because someone took H on my chest like an asshole. Um, I'm pretty sure I know who it was that was just trying to like keep myself from 
being active on there so they can be active. It's really petty shit, but I think I'm Courtney Brame or Courtney W. Brame on TikTok. So you can follow me there. And uh, yeah, till next time, stay sex, inclusive to mental health, positive.